he knows how we feel, knows where we are, knows um, what we face, knows what we deal with. He also knows the things that are on the horizon, the things that we are unprepared for, the things that we try to be prepared for. He knows all of those things. Jesus is a way maker. And uh, one thing is for sure is, is that if we keep our eyes on him, he'll lead us through. It can be dark and it can be dreary at times, and that's going to happen. That's just part of life. But God is a good God. Never forget that. Never, never forget that. God is a good God. And then you know what else? He's worthy. God is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely worthy, no matter what the circumstance is. Now, we thank the Lord because we are uh, back in our scripture. The Lord blessed us mightily on last week. Um, I know I was blessed on last week. Let's begin with our scripture text, okay? We're back in Second Chronicles. We're back in chapter 7, and um, we're going to read... Um, verses uh, 12 through 14, with our emphasis, of course, being on verse 12, as we've said in uh, previous lessons. Now, the word of God reads as follows, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. Amen. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. Amen. God is absolutely good. I want to go right back to the first verse in our scripture set, verse number 12, just for a moment. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. Amen. Amen. We're going to talk a little bit today. Um, we're going to go a little bit further. This is our, um, this is our sixth lesson. Amen. Praise the Lord in our series dealing with second chances and fresh starts. And, um, and there really is no time like the present to get right with God, to start going in the right direction with God. Cause you know what, that's what he wants for you. He wants you to go in the right direction. He wants you to, um, to follow him no matter what. And sometimes it's, it's difficult, but you know, we can make it, you know, we, we can make it in Jesus name. We can make it a lot of things go sideways, but we can make it. And you know, we're going to make it in Jesus name. We are absolutely going to make it because our God is a prayer answering God. Now, last week, when we wrap this thing up, brothers and sisters, we, um, we ended talking about um, quite a few things we ended up talking about, but the very last thing that we that we talked about was what 
Solomon actually prayed for. Because what we learned was that verse number uh, 12, amen, verse number 12, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. Amen. 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 In second Chronicles chapter six. So the chapter previous. Okay. Amen. Amen. And looking at verse 21, Solomon actually says this, hearken therefore unto the supplication of thy servant and of thy people, Israel, which they went, which they shall make toward this place hear thou from thy dwelling place even from heaven and when thou hearest forgive what we learned on last week was that solomon asked god using the wisdom that had been given to him from from the lord he operated in that wisdom that was from above and with that wisdom the prayer he prayed by wisdom, amen, was a prayer that took into account the frailty, the habits, and the nature of mankind, knowing that man was going to drop the ball, amen. He knew that if there was anything that was met, that would mess up and derail the nation or the people, he knew that it was sin. And he knew that the people were going to mess up. Now, you got to remember in our text, the temple is finished now. So it is completed, it's being dedicated and all of these and, and all of these things. And now they're going to worship. Amen. So the house of God has been, the temple has been completed at this point. Amen. This is the first temple. Now, prior to that, the, 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 um, the, the setup that they had was that of a tabernacle, which was a mobile tent um, um, setup, um, um, configuration of tents, rather, that was set up and where the service and the sacrifice of the Lord would take place. And also the Ark of the Covenant was housed there. Now, up until this point, there was no established building, okay, or set building in one set location where the children of Israel went in order to conduct the sacrifices and to worship the Lord. They did that with the, they did that in the tabernacle, which they carried with them wherever they went. So wherever, wherever they went um, at various times, the tabernacle would be set up. And when the tabernacle would be set up wherever it was, well, that's where the worship and the sacrifices of the Lord would take place. Well, David had, Solomon's father, had the idea or had the, had the thought in his heart, the desire in his heart, amen, to do something for the Lord. He was so thankful for all that God had done, so grateful for all that God is and, 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 all, and everything about God. Are you grateful about God today? Are you thankful for who he is and, and all he does? And I, I don't even know if you've even taken time to take a look at all the stuff that he's done and, and just, you know, kind of puzzle through it and say, hey, wait a minute, you know what? I, you know, that was really God here that did that. That was God over there that did that. That wasn't my own strength. That wasn't my own ability. That was, that was God. Are you grateful? Well, David was grateful. David was extremely grateful. So grateful 
that he had got a thought in his heart, a good thought. Amen. And that thought was to build a house to the Lord. But as it would happen, because of the choices, some of the things that David got involved with, God wasn't too, too thrilled about some of those things. And so while God acknowledged the, the, the offer and, and the intent, and he blessed David because of that, amen, God will bless you when your heart is right. Some things, brothers and sisters, you're going to have the heart and the mind to do, but it's not for you to do. There will be some things that you will purpose for the Lord that are good things, things that you want to do. And I want to tell you something. This is a, this is a reality. Real, there are some things that will not come to fruition. They won't come to pass like that. It'll be somebody else that bring that that's assigned to that you don't know that will take care of that part. But it doesn't negate the fact that it was in your heart to do to do for the Lord, for his glory in the beginning. And I want to tell you something, God honor you because of that. He honored David. David did not get to build the temple. It, he was the one that wanted to. Nevertheless, it wasn't him that built it. His son would come, would come along and would take care of that. But David did not do that. However, just because David wasn't the one to do it, and even though the reason why David couldn't do it was because of the sin and the things that he had engaged in, the blood that was on his hands and all of these different things that were a result of just some terrible choices in David's life. Because David had that thought, watch this. God did not, even though God said, no, you cannot do this over here, it did not disqualify David from being blessed. See, just because there are some things that God has not assigned to your hands or to your task, and you really want to do it, and you really want to be a part of it, but you are, for whatever reason, you're un it, it doesn't come to pass like that. God will still bless you. God will bless you when your heart is right. Brothers and sisters, that is why it is so important where our heart is. Very important very important. This is why the Lord looks at the heart. This is why we say over and over again, what you do is going, it doesn't matter. What you do is going to be accepted or rejected based on the content of your heart. Now, when we say what you do, we're talking about those things that are right, okay? So if you're, if you're going around and you're doing some shady stuff and some things that you really shouldn't be doing, that, that doesn't apply to this, okay? That's not gonna be accepted e either at all. That, that, that's that's gonna be rejected, not just on the strength of the content of your heart, but that's gonna be rejected on the content of what you've done as well. If you're engaging in sin, you are presently living in sin and doing wicked things, things that are not right, things that are wrong. You are disqualified, not just based on your heart, but on your actions as well. OK, so we're not talking about that. But now if you are of the caliber that you are, that you're living right, you're doing right and you've got and you've got good intention. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter and you have desires that you want to do for the Lord. If your heart 
is not right to go in companion with what you want to undertake, even if for the Lord, that's not acceptable. Nope, that's not acceptable. God wants your heart to be right. You can do good things for the wrong reason. And there's plenty of people who do good things for the wrong reason. And I'm going to tell you something. It is because if that's you, please listen up to this. Please hear this. If this is you, that you're doing good things for the wrong reason, you're not going to get the blessing that God would normally attach to it. You're not going to get the blessing for it. You're not. When it comes to serving the Lord, it's a, it takes the combination of right actions and a pure heart. Means you, means your motive's got to be right. You got to be going in the right direction. You got to be doing it for the right reason. And when our mind and our heart is not right, brothers and sisters, we need to take time before we undertake whatever it is, because we don't want to miss our blessing. God wants to bless you, but he's not going to bless you with a crooked heart. He's not going to bless me with a, with, with a malicious intent. He's not going to do that. He hasn't done that for anyone else in the scripture. He's not about to start with me. He's not going to start with you. God is, is immutable. He doesn't change. He is the same today as he was yesterday. And guess what? If you and I get tomorrow, he's going to be the same. The Lord does not change. His word is forever settled in heaven. It is established. And go, listen, you, you're not going to find no erasure marks in the scripture. <laughs> no, no, you're not. You're not going to find any of that. God's not going to go back and, and, and erase what he said. No, he has spoken and it is so. Your heart, my heart's got to be right. Second Chronicles 6.21 said, Hearken therefore unto the supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel, which they shall make toward this place. Hear thou from thy dwelling place, even from heaven. And when thou hearest, forgive. Amen. Now, that was the culmination of what Solomon asked for, okay? Now, you had to go back and read the previous verses um, before verse 21 in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. You got to go back, keep going back, and read all those previous scriptures, and you will read the totality of what all Solomon asked for. Verse chapter 6, 2 Chronicles chapter 6, 21 is the culmination, so to speak, of Solomon's request, Okay? And the and and if we sum up the request, the request is summed up in Solomon asking for the ability or the privilege or benefit of being able to ask for forgiveness whenever we fall into sin. That's that's what he was asking for. The totality of what Solomon was asking for was for permission 
or the privilege of the children of granted to the children of Israel that they might be able to come to the Lord, confess their sins and find forgiveness whenever they come to themselves themselves regarding their actions or the way they're living. If they should look up and realize that they are in sin and it is because we're in sin that we have broken fellowship with God. God's not blessing like he used to. I don't, I'm not getting my air, my prayers answered. Like I, I, I can't feel the presence of God. Like I, I, I used to, because that's what sin will do. Sin will stop that. I gave you Daniel 9, 11, 9, 1, 1. I told you that's an emergency. Jeremiah 5, 25 and Romans 6 and 23. Those scriptures there tell us, reveal to us that sin it will cause God to withhold blessings. Now that is just what's going to happen. You engage in it. I engage in it. Guess what? It's going to put a stop. It's going to put a filter. Okay. It's it's gonna it's gonna wall up the flow of blessing, and you and I are not going to be able to walk in that. Solomon knew that that would happen when the people dropped the ball. So he prays and he asks God. When they come to themselves, when they get a clue, when you get their attention, that they're headed in the wrong direction. Does God have your attention today? Are you headed in the wrong direction? My goodness, God's trying to get your undivided attention if you're going in the wrong way. It is not God's will that you live in sin, that you keep trying to get away with what you try to get away with. No, no, no. That's not his intention. God's intention is that you live holy with him. God wants you to live right and do right. You got to obey the commandments. You got to do what God says. I got to do it. Because there's no other way to be blessed. You got to take heed to the commandments of the Lord. I've got to take heed to the commandments of the Lord. Because I just cannot. We just cannot. Be blessed any other way. It it just won't work. So 2 Chronicles 6 and 21 is a culmination of what he asked for. But when we get to our text, 2 Chronicles 7 and 12, and the Lord appeared unto Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a sacrifice. That was God acknowledging. I heard your prayer. Yes, I've heard it. I've acknowledged it. Second Chronicles 6 and 21 was the culmination of the request. At least Solomon's part of it. But Second Chronicles 7 and 12 is the beginning of God acknowledging and accepting that request. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this because Solomon prayed for the privilege 
to be able to ask for forgiveness whenever we fall into sin. And last time we said that the counterweight to forgiveness, when we start talking about that, is the con is the subject of repentance. Amen. And and I said we will talk about that, and we will talk about that. But before I do talk a little bit about repentance here, I want to I want to segue into something here on verse number twelve, since this is our text of focus. And the Lord said, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. Now, this is just a side note, but it's very important because I think someone who's going to listen to this message needs to hear this. Solomon prayed and asked and made a request to the Lord. Now, what we don't know is we don't know the exact day and the exact time, hour that Solomon began to pray and ask and use that wisdom to pray this prayer that was well beyond his own intellect and his own reasoning. We don't know all of that. We don't have all of the details and all of these different things and, and, and whatnot. We, we don't have that, okay? But we do know that he prayed and the scripture is very clear about that. But what I want to draw your attention to in this case, and this is not to suggest that, that this for Solomon, this is just, this is for you. Note the time that the Lord appeared. The Bible says that he appeared to Solomon by night. The prayer had happened prior on a day or days prior. But the answer to this prayer came at night. Night in scripture many times can represent a tough period in your life. Many times nighttime in scripture is a metaphor, okay, or is used as a word picture to illustrate some dark times, not literally, but in your life. So times of confusion, times of disappointment, times of hurt, times of anguish, and times of pain, times where everything is falling apart, times where the life as you know it seems to be unraveling, times that are less than idea, times that you could really do without, times that if it was up to you, you'd pick something else, times where you don't know how this happened, times that leave you rattled, times that leave you staggered, times that leave you dazed. They are times that are not what you would have requested. They are times that you could not control, times that you could not influence, times that you could not do anything about it, and times where worse seemed to come to worse, time where the, 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 the sum of all fears seemed to be upon you, times where it really you feel very much. As Psalms 23 says it, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes you walk in and you feel the shadows. Well, the nighttime, some in scripture, night many times represents that period or that stage in a person's life. But I want to draw a contrast here because it was at nighttime that Solomon received the answer 
to his prayer. And I want to tell you, if you're listening to this, that you hold on and you don't give up and that you keep praying and that you don't stop praying. The Bible says man is to always pray and not faint. I know that you might not be feeling like you got a second win. I understand that things are, you're probably in the fight of your life. Some literally, others metaphorically. But I want to tell you that the God that we serve, the Lord Jesus Christ is a covenant keeping God. He's a prayer answering God. And he is the only true and living God. And he's got all power of heaven and earth in his hand. And I know this for a fact that even if the world be against you, God is with and you got God with you. It don't matter because he is more than the world against you. I know for a fact, try tested and have found it to be true that when the chips are down, when everything is stacked against you and ain't nobody in your corner, I want to tell you this, that if God is standing with you, I don't care how surrounded by the enemy and by the intent of the enemy that you are. I don't care even if it looks like the young man and, and the prophet Elisha who were surrounded in the city of Dothane. It does not matter who tries and how surrounded it may be. If God is with you, I want to tell you, you got the majority. I want to tell you that the numbers are on your side. I know you said, but wait a minute, that's just one. <clears throat> that's, that's God and me. That's just, that's just two. Listen, that's all you need. All you need is God. Glory to God. Glory to his name. All I ever need, all you will ever need is God in your corner. And I want to tell you something, that if you endeavor to live right, if you endeavor to walk right, if you endeavor to walk before the Lord in honesty and in righteousness, David said, I walk in my integrity. If you will walk upright before the Lord, I want to tell you one thing. You're not going to ever have to worry about God's presence because gonna, it's going to always be there. Even when you don't feel it, he's going to be right there because that's the kind of God he is. He's, a, he's the God that's right there. <laughs> Glory to God. I mean, that, that's probably a sermon in and of itself. The God who's right there. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I have had some situations in some, even, even now, where I just need God to be right there. And I'm telling you, his presence is right there. You know what the word says? I will look towards the hills with cometh all my help. Because why? All my help and all my strength come from the Lord. I, man, I'm, listen, God's with you and don't give up. Don't give in. God is with you. Solomon prayed a prayer, but it was answered at nighttime. And I want to tell you something that there are going to be sometimes and some search circumstances that you're not going to know what is happening and when God is going to come through, but I guarantee you, he's going to come through. The word of God said he answered the prayer at nighttime. Some of you, you count on God showing up in the middle of the circumstance. God is going to answer your prayer while it is night in your life. If you will stand still and just see the salvation of the Lord, then salvation is what you're going to see. Because the word of God says that salvation is of the Lord. That means it's his business. That means that's what he does. Saving is what God does. 
And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, my Bible tells me they shall be saved. Amen. Amen. Never forget that. Solomon received a prayer at nighttime. And nighttime represents many times when things are less than idea. And if you're going through some time where it is very much less than idea and you're waiting on God, I'm going to tell you something. God's going to show up. You just leave the porch light on. That's all you got to do. How do I do that, Brother Walker? By, by staying in the word. Continue in prayer. Continue in your fasting. Continue in reading the word and declaring the word. Listen, don't just read the word. Speak the word. Speak out loud. Speak in your mind. Speak the word of God. Whatever the circumstance, speak the word that God has spoken about. And hold on to it as your promise that God's going to make a way. And he is going to do that. Now, Solomon, back in, in 2 Chronicles, okay, chapter 7, 12 through 14, we learned, we, we were dealing with God now answering that prayer. And we read that prayer, or at least the culmination of that prayer, of that request in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 21, where Solomon basically at the end of it says, Lord, when, from your dwelling place, wherever you are. When you hear that request, forgive. That's what he wanted. Why did, why did Solomon want that? Because only the forgiveness of the Lord restores relationship, restores fellowship, rather. Okay? Only the forgiveness of the Lord restores fellowship. The blood of Jesus, relationship. Amen. Amen. But that forgiveness... This is why God, we do the be, repentance restores fellowship because once we are saved, once we're covered by the blood, we still have the ability to drop the ball from time to time. We, we, that's going to happen. And the way that you get back, the way that I get back is through repentance. Now from repentance, I receive forgiveness. And when I receive that forgiveness, when you receive that forgiveness, you will also receive a restoration to the fellowship with God. See, when you, when you and I engage in sin, you start to lose the ability to feel the presence of God. This is why David prayed, I believe in Psalms of 51, if I'm not mistaken, after his sin, this Psalm is written in the aftermath, or at least it captures the, what he was going through as a result of David's sin with Bathsheba. He had fallen in, in, into sin. And David gets to the point where he says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Sin will remove the ability for you to feel that joy and elation in the Lord. It removes that. You can't feel the presence of God like you used to. Now, it doesn't mean that God went anywhere. No, he didn't, he didn't go anywhere. But what God, God does not bless mess. And he's not going to reward you with the comfort and the strength and the joy that is his presence if you are walking. So he'll be there, but he will bar you from feeling him being there. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. He don't go, no, he don't go. He doesn't go anywhere. But he absolutely is not going to hook you up. I know some of you, somebody who's hearing this, you like to be hooked up. Why don't you try hooking God up first? Hook him up with some obedience. Hook him up with some right living. Hook him up with some, with, with some praying, consistent prayer. Hook him up by being, by being faithful in, in your Bible studies and reading. How about this? Why don't you hook him up 
by following his footsteps and doing good to those that are around you? How about you hook him up by not only just doing those that are around you, but make sure you include your enemies too. You got to do, I got to do what God tells me to do. If I want to be blessed, you got to do the same. You cannot be blessed in the Lord doing things your own way. It, it doesn't work that way. And God doesn't, hasn't, didn't, because one, because God didn't design it to work that way. God's plan is that you can feel his presence in your wall. You guys have fellowship. Well, repentance and forgiveness restore that fellowship. Amen. Amen. The blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary restores the relationship. It puts you back in relationship with God. It gets you back connected with God. But once you are connected with God, if you don't follow the scriptures, you will start disrespecting God and you'll start doing the wrong thing. When you start disrespecting God and you start doing the wrong things, you are going to sabotage your fellowship with God. You're going to break the fellowship. You don't break the relationship. You break the fellowship. And repentance is the tool that he's given us whereby we are granted access to forgiveness, amen, and the restoration of fellowship. I hope that may, that's plain. Now let's talk a little bit about forgiveness. I said that's what we were gonna, we we're gonna talk about. For, or, or, excuse me, not forgiveness, but repentance. We'll, we'll throw a little bit of forgiveness back in there too, but let's, let's talk about repentance. It's the counterweight. The counter, it's, it's the counterweight that balance out this scale, so to speak, of forgiveness. And I don't mean scale in the sense that, that, you, can, that you can do enough good deeds um, um, to, out, to outweigh your bad. No, 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 no. You need the blood of Jesus, okay? You, for forgive, you're gonna need that. You're going to need to have your sins washed away. There's not enough good things, good things that you can do that's going to ever balance out the scales. No, no. Salvation is a free gift. Amen. Amen. And if you want to know how to walk through that process, all you got to do is read Acts chapter 2, verse 38. You got to repent of your sin. You're going to have to do that. You got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you've got to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, that's how, that, that's how you get right. That is how you get the blood of Jesus applied to your life. And from there, you become connected again, or any man being Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. That's how you get back in relationship with God. You become alive again. He, 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 amen. Glory to God. God is just good. Now, but once that's happened, all right, there is the matter of walking with God. And it's in this walking that we drop the ball sometimes. And when we drop the ball, and remember, the reason why we're talking about this is because this ultimately is what Solomon prayed for. He didn't know to this extent. He was just praying, Lord, they need a way to come back. And God, was, God said yes. But Solomon didn't know that it was a price that was going to come with answering that prayer. He didn't know that blood was going to have to be shed at Calvary. Solomon didn't know none of that. But God knew full well what was being, what was going to be required in order to answer that prayer. He knew that to answer this prayer, he alone was going to have to do it. 
And glory to God. And yes, and didn't he do it? Oh, he did it real good. He is the only and final sacrifice. Don't need nothing else. Don't need nobody else. I got God Almighty. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God is good this morning. I'll tell you just something about this. Something about this subject. You can't hardly contain it. You can't hardly contain it. God is that good. God is that good. So Solomon prayed for this. And now we're just exploring just what, what this looks like in all of this. Now, what you may not have known is, is this, is, is that there are multiple types of repentance. <laughs> and a lot of people didn't know that. There actually are. There actually is. There, there, there's multiple types of repentance. Okay. Did you know that? Did your neighbor know that? And you ought to ask them if they're next to you. Did you know that? Don't tap on them. Just don't touch nobody. But just ask them, did, did you know that? Did you know that there are multiple types of repentance? There are. See, there is a type that is honored by God. And there's a type that is frowned upon by him. So a type that he likes. And there's a type that he dislikes. Okay. Repentance is a deep subject, brothers and sisters. Um, and it's a subject that is sown and scattered throughout the pages of Holy Scripture. It speaks to, when we start talking about repentance, it speaks to a quality of character, okay, that moves God. Amen. When we start talking about repentance, you start talking about, your, your, when you get into the subject of, of repentance, you're, you're starting to move into a character quality. And not just any character quality, but a character quality that moves God. Now, we know, at least we ought to know, that we cannot make God do anything. Okay? So those of you who are listening to this and somebody got you all amped up thinking that you got all this power to just move. No, it don't work that way. God, listen, God is not at your beck and call. He is not at your command. Okay? Make sure you understand that, okay? You don't run God, and you don't make God do nothing. What God does for you is because he loves you, and it is because he has sovereignly chosen to do so. And you must always remember, he may sovereignly choose not to do so. He is God, you and I are not, and he can do what he wants to do because he wants to do that. And guess what? He does not have to tell you, and he does not have to tell me. He can simply make the executive call, the, the unilateral call just across because it's just him. He don't have no committee. He can just make a call, and that's it. Okay? So understand that. Now, we, so we cannot make God do anything. So us moving God, when we talk about moving God, what does that really mean? Well, moving God really means, us moving God really just means that we've done something that God has self-determined to respond to. When we say that we move God, when we say our prayer moves God, when we, we say our sacrifice moves God or something along that line, when people say that, a lot of people say that and don't even understand what they're talking about. They actually have this concept of, of that here's this, this big heavy rock or something, and all of a sudden you've been granted strength in order to move. Now, that's not, no, no, it don't work that way. That's not what it is. When we say 
um, that we move God or God is moved. Okay. What that really means is that we have just done something or something has been done that God has determined, self-determined to respond to. Okay. Nobody twisted his arm. Nobody forced him. Nobody demanded it of him. He chose to do it. Okay. In his sovereignty, he chose to do it. So we move God by doing the things that God has determined to respond to. True repentance, brothers and sisters, is a character quality that God has chosen to respond to. Do you understand that? God responds to repentance, not because it's repentance or just repentance. He responds to repentance because he's chosen to. He can easily decide not to respond to repentance. Do you understand that? Because he's sovereign. And sovereign means that he has the absolute right to make a decision without checking with anyone. He is sovereign. He is absolute. He is God almighty. Okay. You understand that? True repentance is a character quality that God has chosen to respond to. Whenever we operate in it, God has chosen to respond to it. And this is the repentance that God desires. This, this is the repentance that God honors, not the one that he frowns upon. This is the kind of repentance that moves him to respond favorably favorably. Why? Because he self-determined, he self-decided that he was going to respond to repentance. Okay? Now, in order for us to repent, another quality or characteristic has to be in play, and that is humility. Repentance True repentance is always preceded by humility because it takes some humbleness to admit you're wrong. It takes humility to admit your faults. It takes humility to take a long look at yourself and realize, man, I, I'm just not doing it. Man, I thought I was, but man, I'm messing up. Got to humble yourself. The scripture teaches that God, he resists the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. Resisting the proud means he actively fights against. He don't just not accept it. He, he pushes it away. That's really what that means. He pushes it back. He says, ah, uh, nope, you keep that. I don't want that. Whenever we operate in repentance, God's chosen to respond to it. He's chosen, I, I want to make sure that you understand this. He has self-decided that repentance was going to be the avenue by which he would unleash and loose 
his forgiveness. He could just forgive for it. He could choose any method, but he chose the method, the avenue of repentance. That is why it is indispensable. If you're going to get right with God, if you're going to get where you're going supposed to be with God, you're not going to do that without repentance. And you're not going to have the right type of repentance if there is no humility. You're going to need all of that. You're going to have to first humble yourself and take a look at yourself and stop making excuses for yourself. Because the longer you and I make excuses for ourselves, that arrogance and that pride is in full operation. And it don't matter how many times you say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. This that and the other, as long as that repentance that is birthed out of pride and arrogance is in the picture, you're not, I am not going to receive that forgiveness. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. That relationship, that fellowship, that fellowship rather, it's not going to get restored. It's going to stay broken. It's going to stay a mess. Because, yeah, but I repented. No, no, yeah, you repented. You repented the way you wanted to. But you didn't repent it because you think you felt that you actually did anything wrong. You're just going through the motion. God don't want that. So what does he do? He's handing it right back to you. What did he say? He resists the proud. That means he, he pushes it back. He said, nah, you know what? He said, you know what? Go ahead. You, you, you keep that. I don't want it. I would that somebody who will listen to this will come to the to the understanding that you can't tip God, you can and you cannot bribe God. You cannot buy him off with all the stuff that you try to do to make up for what you've done. No, 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 no. You're going to have to humbly take a look at yourself and true and and out of that humility repent and get it right and follow what the scripture says do. Cuz you're not going to get anything any other way. It just is not going to happen. It, it just won't happen. Whenever we operate in this true repentance, God responds to it because it's the type that he desires. And it's the kind and he and it's the kind that moves him. Remember, not meaning that we actually force him to do anything. That's not what that is. But he has self-determined to respond favorably to it. And so he does. See, God doesn't want to be at odds with us. When we start talking, and we gotta understand this. We gotta God don't want to God don't want to fight with you. Doesn't want to fight with me. No. Matthew 18, 14 says this: even so, it is not the will of your father, which is in heaven, that one of these little little ones should perish. God, that, that's not God. He don't want that. Not convinced? Look, 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to, there's that word, repentance. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You see, God would rather we have fellowship together but that's not possible with us stealing our sins and without forgiveness. 
if he don't forgive you, you are still in your sins. Still in it. That thing that you've done, that thing that you're doing, that ain't right, that sin that you are presently committed, you still in it. I don't care how many times you said, I'm sorry. You are still in it if you have not humbly repented before the Lord. And the fellowship is still broken. I'm talking to those who are believers. I'm talking to those who are believers. Now, for those of you who are not believers, that's a little bit different. You got that. It's a, it, it, it's a little bit different from you. You also still got to humble yourself and you also need to repent. But you also, but you need to be washed in the blood. You got to have the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ. You got to have that applied to you. That's the final sacrifice for sin. So that you can have relationship with God again. See, you at square one. I'm talking now, and 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 I invite you. Look, and guess what? You can go to you you can go to square two. You can go to the next one. All you got to do is repent of your sins. Be serious about it. You got to be brokenhearted over what you've done. You can't look at your past and your sins and and secretly be okay and secretly desiring the stuff that that you you no you can't do that. No, you can't do that. You got to be broken over sin. That's where that true humility comes in. When you really take a look at yourself for yourself, you got to be broken over all that. And you got to determine, you're going to turn from that and turn towards the Lord. Now the next step is you got to go down in water. In the name of Jesus, you got to be buried. Like Jesus was buried. When you go in that water, you're getting buried. Burying all my old ways, burying all my old thoughts, burying all, burying all the things that I had my hand to that were not right, they're getting buried in the water. The water represents the burial. Is it the actual water? No, it's what he's chosen to do in response to the water. Don't ever say you don't need the water. Whatever Jesus said, do, you got to do that. And if he said, except the man be born of the water and of the spirit, he shall in no wise inherit the kingdom. He said, you ain't even going to see it. That's a double whammy. You ain't going to get in and you ain't going to see it. No, I want to get in and I want to see. I want, I want them both. I don't want one without the other. No, sir, I want it all. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me for my sin. Forgiveness is not mental assent. Lord, I just come to the conclusion. Yeah, you know what? I'm wrong about that. You know, no, 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 no. When you truly repent, you turn. You turn. He gave you the strength to turn. So God would rather have we have fellowship together, but that's not possible with us being in sin. That this is not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> being in sin without forgiveness. You, you can't have it. I can't have it. Psalms 32, one and two says this, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. 
Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputed not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. That means he doesn't apply, hit you with the maximum, hit you with the charges or the, the consequences of your sin. That's what he's talking about. Laying that charge against you. You see, at a high level glance, true repentance motivates God to respond to forgiveness. Amen. Amen. Or respond with forgiveness. At a high level glance, true repentance motivates God to respond with forgiveness. And it's often said that repentance is accurately represented in the concept of a one of a 180 degree turn or a U-turn. The concept of repentance is, is, is very accurately mirrored in the concept of a U-turn or a 180 degree turn. This is said because true repentance involves a complete change in direction. However, that's not all that's involved. God took the time to make repentance, hear me now, mandatory. God took the time to make repentance mandatory. Mandatory for what? Mandatory for salvation and mandatory for the restoration, for the continued restora restoration of fellowship. Amen. 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 It's necessary. That means that re true repentance is necessary. When we say mandatory for salvation, being connected, God, being, <laughs> being made new all over again, that really means that repentance is mandatory for both the establishment, the reestablishment of a relationship with God and it is necessary for the reestablishment of fellowship with God. When after you have the relationship, in other words, you've been born again, born of the water and of the spirit, okay? And then I make a mistake and I drop the ball and I'm walking doing the wrong thing. Well, guess what? You got to repent, get forgiveness and, and God will take you right back. Amen. He'll restore that fellowship. If God took the time to make repentance mandatory for salvation, then we can be sure that just any kind of repentance simply will not do. It won't. Because it's required for both salvation and continued righteous living. Repentance, forgiveness, is required for both salvation and continued righteous living. Amen. Amen. We will pick this up um, next week. But this has been a wonderful, wonderful topic today, talking about this, because 
this this issue of repentance and forgiveness it's serious it's serious business you don't want to play with this you don't want to get this wrong repentance is necessary forgiveness is necessary for both salvation and continued righteous living don't let nobody convince you otherwise Don't let anybody convince you otherwise. You need it. You absolutely need it. Because there is a type of repentance that leads to life. Yet that same repentance, the act of repentance, but yet the very act of repentance, if done incorrectly or motivated out of the wrong heart, can lead to death. When repentance is motivated out of humility, it'll lead to life. But when it is just a mere exercise of pride and arrogance, it'll lead you to death. We'll end here. And next week, we will pick this back up, dealing with second chances and fresh starts. This following lesson will be the seventh lesson. Today was the uh, sixth lesson, but the next one will be the seventh, and it will be the final lesson. We'll put a capstone on all of this and, and just, 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 just count on a glorious time. God bless you, and until next time. Have a wonderful Sunday morning.